2: Welcome everybody. Happy Friday to you, TGIF. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me for a good chunk of this show, he'll be uh, joining me a little bit later, is Greg Jewett, also of FanRag Sports. Uh, Greg is uh, a busy guy uh, there. FanRag recently uh, posted his uh, waiver wire primer, which he does every week. And any moment now, you should also be able to read Greg's uh, piece on start and sit dilemmas for the coming week. So we're going to preview that one and uh, talk about several of the players from the waiver Wire Primer as well. So it'd be great to have Greg on the show. Uh, But uh, let's get right to the news. Uh, Today's big uh, trade development. The Cardinals have traded Marco Gonzalez, the starting pitcher to the Mariners for outfield prospect Tyler O'Neal. Uh, Gonzalez is going to start uh, his time with the Mariners at A Tacoma. I would think it may not be long before he's up. Uh, he, uh, there, there's certainly a potential opening for Gonzalez there because uh, Sam Gaviglio was recently demoted and Giovanni Gallardo is back in the Mariners' rotation. But uh, he spent a good amount of time in, in the bullpen, has not been very effective as a starter in quite a while. So I would think uh, Marco Gonzalez, if he... Uh, does well initially at Tacoma. You could see him in Seattle sooner than later. It certainly gives the Mariners some much-needed uh, pitching depth, which they they traded for over the the off season. They did a pretty good job of addressing that in terms of uh, piling up some arms. But of course, they've had uh, injuries and uh, some of the arms that they've acquired, like uh, you know Chris Heston, uh, is for one example. Um, you know, haven't really panned out. So uh, Gonzalez. Nice pickup for them. O'Neal, as a Tommy Pham owner, not really all that happy about him going to St. Louis. (laughs) I would imagine he's probably going to start in Memphis at AAA. But uh, yet another outfielder for the Cardinals who can hit for power, but also can strike out quite a bit. Sounds a bit like Randall Gritchick and maybe a little bit like uh, Tommy Pham as well. Uh, And O'Neal can uh, steal a few bases as well. So... Uh, it's not an unfamiliar profile there in the Cardinals outfield. It was already pretty crowded. It'll get crowded again whenever Steven Piscotti gets off the DL. But uh, you know certainly uh, a worthy talent, uh, worthy of owning in Dynasty Leagues, and, and maybe uh, pick up in NL-only Leagues as well uh, right now just to stash him away because he can find some playing time there. And the Cardinals made another move, too, with the prospect. They've called up Carson Kelly, their catching prospect, who will back up Yadier Molina. It's not really an enviable position for somebody who I think doesn't have a whole lot to prove uh, in AAA to go and, and sit behind Yadier Molina. But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you know, Kelly's had a nice season in Memphis. So a uh, lot more to get to here. Of course, we got the Jaime Garcia trade. Is it on? Is it off? Uh, we'll check in with that and see uh, if there's any update there. Some injury uh, updates and uh, also get to uh, some of the standout performances from Thursday. All that and much more coming up, so don't go anywhere.
0: Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREERADIO at checkout for a very special discount.
2: Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball live from South Detroit. There is no such place, by the way. South of Detroit is Windsor, Canada. Uh, but you are still listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball and uh, joining me a little bit later on the show. In fact, the very next segment is going to be Greg Jewett from FanRag Sports. So looking forward to that. But before I get on with the rest of the show here, i got to tell you a little bit about the world's premiere... Fantasy Sports Radio Network, which you can take with you wherever you go if you download the Fantasy Sports Radio app right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. You can listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Cicada on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the South Detroit subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or with Jake Seeley when you are jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So there is that Jaime Garcia trade that was uh, on the verge of happening yesterday. I think not too long, actually, after the show had ended, maybe even before that. Uh, Don't recall the exact timing, but it's still out there. It has not been completed, uh, according to. FanRag Sports' own John Heyman. Uh, there's a possibility it might not happen. There was a report from Mark Feinsand of MLB.com that other teams have now joined the fray and are talking to the Braves uh, about acquiring Jaime Garcia. So what looked like an absolute done deal is now, it sounds like at best, in a limbo state. So uh, Not sure what's going on, but uh, Aaron Blair is, is on uh, speed dial there for the, uh, for the Braves, and I think he's actually uh, joining the team just to just in case uh, Garcia is traded and uh, he is needed. So, also in terms of uh, news from yesterday that I didn't quite get to on the show was was late breaking uh, around that time around this time yesterday, Keone K- Kella has been activated off of the disabled list. So further complicating the Rangers' uh, closer situation. Uh, but it has been anticipated that. Uh, if I was really anticipated, he'd be back a little sooner after the all-star break, and that once Kella was available, he'd be part of that closer mix. So uh he he's there now, and of course we've seen a couple of saves from Alex Claudio. We've seen Matt Bush continue to pitch in the later innings. Jose Leclerc pitched last night in a uh losing effort for the Rangers non save situation. Seems like he of, of of those four, based on usage patterns. Sort of seems like he's he's kind of on. I wouldn't say on the outs. That that's maybe putting a little too strongly, but uh, def- definitely not front of the line in terms of uh, likelihood to get saves. But that that I think that's going to be a work in progress, to be sure. Um, Chris Bryant may miss the entire weekend series against the Cardinals for the Cubs. Uh, he uh, sustained the pinky injury the other night, and uh, so you may not be able to use Chris Bryant until next week. And that's obviously something you'll need to monitor over the weekend in case that does linger into an even longer uh, hiatus for Chris Bryant. Brandon Phillips left last night's game with a tight right hamstring. He is considered day-to-day. And in some more trade-related news, the Cubs uh, inquired about you. Darvish, that is, not you. Unless you are you, Darvish. Uh, Cubs inquired with the Rangers, and the Rangers are not, uh, at, least, uh, at least not reportedly, not publicly making any determination about whether or not they're going to trade Darvish. They are just uh, assessing the situations of right now. But that report about the Cubs inquiring comes from uh, John Morosi of Fox Sports, from Buster Olney of ESPN. He's reporting that the Astros are the most motivated suitor for Zach Britton, And for the Britain owner, I think that's maybe even better news than the Cubs asking about him. And I've recently discussed on this show and and written about how I think that Wade Davis could be vulnerable as the Cubs' closer hasn't really gone that well for him for about a two-month stretch now. But that Astros bullpen, even though uh, all this year it's been Ken Giles' job, you think back to last year when that situation was constantly in flux, and I think you know if you put yourself in AJ Hinch's shoes and you've got a choice between Zach Britton and Ken Giles, I'd have to think that would make you rethink your closer situation at the very least. So that's that's pretty interesting. That according to Buster Olney, that the Astros are—he used the words most motivated—sounds uh, like you know maybe the most aggressive to to paraphrase Buster Olney. Uh, you know that that's pretty interesting. And in some other closer trade possibilities, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the Brewers are aggressive, and that uh, I think that is his word <laughs> this time, not my word, uh, in talking with the Tigers about a Justin Wilson trade. So there have been all kinds of teams. It seems like every day a new team being mentioned as a possible suitor for Justin Wilson. So not only add the Brewers to that list, but they apparently are very aggressive. So that, uh, could be interesting. I'd have a hard time seeing Wilson overtaking uh, Corey Knable for that uh, that job. But uh, another one to watch there. And the Indians have expressed some interest in trading for Azdrubal Cabrera. That, according to ESPN's Jerry Krasnick. So that would seem to be pretty obviously for him to slot in at second base while Jason Kipnis is out. Um, so that's what you have there. All righty. Well, let's get to some of the major performances from yesterday. And one that really uh, stood out to me, and and not in a good way, and I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this, was Madison Bumgarner getting his second shot to face the San Diego Padres since coming off the DL. So he's made two starts, both against the Padres. First one was okay. Was not you know blow the doors off kind of numbers uh, that you would expect Madison Bumgarner versus the Padres. But you figure okay. First time off the DL, pretty serious injury, Uh, let's cut him some slack. But Bumgarner made another start on Thursday, and this one went a little less well. Not a disaster by any means, but not an improvement either. He went six and a third innings, four runs on six hits and a walk, and five strikeouts. Gave up a couple of home runs just as he did in his first start. So just to recap now, post-DL Massim Bumgarner has given up four home runs and two starts all to the Padres, not one of the bigger power threats in the majors. And here's probably the most disturbing stat from these two starts uh, for Massim Bumgarner from a fantasy perspective. He's gotten five swings and misses in each of those two starts and a 5% rate overall across those two starts. Add on top of that a 12% called strike rate. It's extremely low. It's about as bad as a 5% whiff rate. I mean, you figure Bumgarner even coming back from injury, you'd certainly like to see that rate around nine or 10%. Um, and it's about half that at 5%. The called strike rate. You think, okay, well, maybe he's not getting the swings and misses, but maybe you know, coming back from the DL, he's he's getting them more with you know, uh, deception and 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 you know, just Freezing up batters 12% called strike rate when the norm is typically around 17% very very low So you sum that all up and what you got is Bumgarner Also throwing still below his normal velocity been right around an average of 90 miles per hour with this fastball in both of these starts So throwing notably lower velocity Not fooling batters in terms of swings and misses, but yet he's getting a lot of swings that's the combination that I find very, very troubling. A 12% call rate, called strike rate suggests that batters are swinging like crazy, and he's only getting, with all those swings, a 5% whiff rate. And again, I'll, I'll just recap and add back to that, the four home runs over two starts against the Padres. And, and, the, and let me add one more thing to pile on here. The Padres are one of the more whiff-prone teams in the majors. Very aggressive, not really good at making contact. So you know against a team like the Red Sox or the Indians um you could see okay Bumgarner coming back uh, the velocity's down and you know these he's facing some teams that just don't you know swing and miss a lot not the case he's got one of the best matchups of all to get those strikeouts by way of uh swing and miss so really really disturbing for Bumgarner to the point where i, I i'm not clear that he's he's a must start right now um again not terrible results against the Padres but it's the Padres. So you would think that uh, it, there may not necessarily be better things to come. It's definitely something you've got to watch really, really closely over the next start or two for Bum Bumgarner. Lance Lynn had a very nice start at the Mets, going six innings with just one run on three hits and a walk with five Ks. So for the month of July, Lynn's got a 1.09 ERA, which is really nice. Um... But, again, I'm going to go just like I did with Bumgarner and and kind of discount his results because of the matchups with the Padres. This month, Lynn has faced the Marlins, uh, he's faced the Mets twice, and he's faced the Pirates. And so... First of all, a a lot of pretty pitcher-friendly venues. And the Marlins have been hitting well lately, but the Mets have not. The the, the Pirates have really not uh, been hitting much this year. So that's uh, something to really, really be concerned about there. But um, I just think Lance Lynn is just not pitching as well as the numbers would indicate. So, uh, anyhow, we've got to head to another break here real soon.
0: It was a show.
2: So, uh...
0: Packed with tons of in depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package enter code free radio at checkout for a very special discount
2: welcome back everybody you are listening to fan rag fantasy baseball i'm your host al melchior and with me for this segment and hopefully another one mr greg jewett from fan rag sports greg welcome back to the show thanks as always al Good to have you back. So uh, we got a lot to talk about here. You've got uh, your WaverWire Primer, uh, which is live on the FanRag site. Uh, so I've already encouraged people to go check it out. But we'll, we'll give them a little little taste of uh, what you wrote about. And then you've also got your uh, start-sit piece for next week. Um, hopefully we can give a little preview of that as well. Um, so looking forward to hearing about that because uh, last I checked, it wasn't up. So it's, it's, it's going to be an uh, absolute uh, mystery to me, uh, surprise to me, uh, who we wind up talking about, and that'll be fun. Uh, so anyway, uh, Greg, uh, you, you talk about the uh, hands, some potential Carlos Correa replacements. Um, and let's start who with who, who did you mention in the article, Why and why did you highlight you know, them? You know,
1: um, I, I 90 talked 90. about Orlando Arcee, Freddie Galvis, and then I hit sort on two of the Mets there, Esdrubal Cabrera and Jose Reyes. Uh, all three of those guys have been playing well over the last 30 days. I've written a couple of times about uh, Paul DeJong and uh, some other middle infielders, so I wanted to give people a little different flavor and, and save poor Alex from reading about the same guys week to week.
2: Uh, that, that's fair, but some of those guys you know, may may still be relevant. Uh, I'm, kind of, I'm interested to get your, your take on it, but let's start with the guys you did write about for this week, uh, Galvis as Dribble Cabrera and Jose Reyes. Um, Well, first of all, one of the things I talked about earlier in the show is how the Indians are asking on his Dribble Cabrera. So does that uh, change uh, your your recommendation for uh, action people might take in terms of going after him?
1: If he went to Cleveland, it would definitely have to be more of a wait-and-see approach. I'd rather have a guy that I know is going to play every day. Uh, You've seen how Cleveland's been very fluid with their infield, moving people around and getting people in and out with at-bats. Um, I don't think that would change at all if Drupal went there. So um, he would go to a better situation as far as a team and winning record, but probably a worse situation as far as uh, playing on a day-to-day basis.
2: Uh, well, so let's say uh, you know he remains Met for the time being. Who do you think would be the better or the best? Let, let me make it uh, three, not just Galvis and Azdrubal, but Jose Reyes. Throw him in there, too. Of those three, who would you give priority to?
1: Uh, I'm I'm surprised I'm going to say this, but I might go with Freddie Calvis. He's just been more consistent over the last uh, statistical year. You know, I, I know people wanted to poke holes in his season from, from last year, but over his last 159 games, he still has 22 home runs and 16 stolen bases with 69 RBI. Uh, he's batting second for the Phillies, and I know they're in that rebuilding process, but you kind of know where he's going to be. You know he's going to play every day um as long as you just account for he's probably going to hit you know 265 the rest of the way but he's just in the middle of a hot streak over his last 25 games but in those last 25 games he's hitting 290 uh with four home runs three stolen bases and 10 rbi so you know he's productive when he gets in these hot streaks and if he does have a nice second half uh i just think he's in a little bit better situation than uh than jose even though jose after that slow start is starting to uh show
2: some signs of life here yeah and no, I think it's really interesting that's funny because when I first opened up your uh your piece your waiver wire piece um and then you know right away you know it, you don't see the the shortstop recommendations initially and so I'm like is he talking about Galvis is he talking about Galvis I'm like yes Galvis <laughs> so uh yeah I, he's uh I, I I like him a lot right now and I you know, same idea I don't necessarily expect Galvis to sustain this but uh you know it's the way he's going right now, and and it's not like the power is a fluke. We saw it last year. Uh, well, and you mentioned Paul Paul DeYoung before too, so you, you didn't want to you know beat readers over the head by having him in when I assume you wrote about him maybe a week before. But uh, how does he stack up uh, against those other options?
1: Uh, I think he's if you're truly just looking for power, then that's the person you're going to go to. You know, especially Correa wasn't really stealing bases this year; he didn't have any. Um, So if you're looking for pop and actually the, uh, the Cardinals have a pretty nice week uh, on slate next week with uh, heading out to Colorado and chase chase park. So, um, you know, he'd be a good short-term power person. I just don't know. uh, I don't think any of us really know if he can really maintain this hot hitting that he's had uh, through the next few weeks.
2: Yeah. Well, and I feel pretty good about the power because he's somebody who does profile uh, as a, as a go for power kind of guy with a lot of fly balls and, and a, a pretty good pull rate, uh, has had some track record of hitting for power, but yeah, the batting average to me just seems really fluky to the degree where, um, you know maybe you do go with a Freddie Galvis, maybe they give you you know kind of a similar thing, but um, you know maybe just go with the even the even hotter hand. Uh, let me uh, toss a couple more shortstops into the, the fray here because, again, a lot of people probably looking for Carlos Correa uh, replacements in weekly leagues for next week. And a couple of players who are very widely available because they were on the DL for a long time, Brad Miller and Marcus Simeon, uh, even though they're generally less owned than the players we've been talking about, do you think that they're perhaps superior options?
1: Uh, it's hard to say. It's possible with Semyon. He's just a little bit streaky, but you know he's got the 27 home run power from last year with 10 stolen bases. So he provides across most of the counting stats, which is always helpful. But we all know he's pretty much a 230-240 hitter. Just kind of depends on team need. If you're again, if you're playing for power, you can take a shot on Miller. Just something hasn't looked right with him this year. I, I can't put a finger on it, but. Um, just a little, a little hesitant to, he, I, I thought there'd be a little pullback, but not quite to this rate. And I know he's been battling through injuries and some other things, but uh, you know, if he could get hot for Tampa Bay, he's shown in stretches he can just get, you know, it was the second half last year where he just caught fire. I mean, it, it's lightning in a bottle. If you want to take a shot on Miller, I don't say you can't do it, but I don't know that I would, I was lucky enough in my league. I lost Korea that Baez was there. So I just wrote him as the hot hand for now.
2: Yeah, I mean that he certainly would be at least as good of an option of any that we uh, that we've reviewed so far. So a lot of options out there, and it just kind of speaks to the the changed la- landscape at shortstop that we're saying. Well, you could get this guy who's going to give you power, but not bad average. Or you can get that guy. <laughs> it's it's really a, a changed position, uh, and we are going to change positions here and move off a of shortstop. I'm just Greg. I'm going to take this opportunity because I've I've just seen something here on Twitter. Uh, Chris Cotillo uh, tweeting that as of now, Jaime Garcia is likely to start for the Braves tonight. So uh, I had promised that uh, I would stay on top of that. So there it is. Uh, I was on top of that. Uh, but let's let's get back to the waiver wire stuff. And um, one of the players that you have written about is Gerardo Parra. And the, the appeal is very obvious. He, too, is a, is a very hot hand. But his home road splits really concern me. Uh, are mm-hmm. you worried at all about picking up Para and and committing to uh, that roster spot for him when he goes on the road?
1: It's going to depend on league size. I think the smaller the format, the less you're going to see, and which probably reflects in uh, why his ownership is still so low, even though he's hitting five, you know, over five hundred since the All Star break. Um, yeah it's it's a fair point, and you know I didn't really explore it in the article uh due to a lack of uh word space in there, but you know the, his his home splits are huge, so it luckily he's there for the next few days but um it, it's definitely something to warrant on, on daily leagues where you can you know change your guys on a day to day basis it makes it a lot uh, more palatable to own them in uh, the weekly formats makes them a little more risky, especially with the Rockies heading to the road later next week but you know, just another thing, it just blows my mind. I don't know if it's because of people got so burned by him last year or people are still worried about David Dahl or what it is, but, you know, Parson playing, he had third the other day when Arenado got the day off. He's hit fourth in some lineups. I mean, he's hitting three, four, five over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, he's in Colorado and he's hitting in the of the order. I think he needs a little bit more attention
2: yeah no i would I would agree and the david Dahl uh factor should really be a non factor at this point with the report two or three days ago that bud black's not even sure that Dahl will be back at all this season. I think he just if you if you want para that's certainly not the reason to do it and uh just <laughs> to, to put it in to put it in context too i uh, i I certainly wasn't you know saying that the road splits first of all were disastrous or that they are a reason not to uh, not to pick him up. Uh, it just may mean that you would bench him certain weeks uh, when he's not in the, mm-hmm. in the best venues. Because he's, I think he's really been helped by Coors. And it's sort of funny because last year the thing was, you know, there was this expectation, oh, pars going to come to Coors. And and he's going to become this this better player. And, and he wasn't last year. But this year he's got a 34% line drive rate there. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. Some of that could be on him, but some of that could just, I mean, as a venue, that's just a place where a lot of line drives are hit, and away from there, it's, it's only 19%. So that's my concern, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, I, I certainly don't think that the splits or uh, the, you know, the potential specter of David Dahl uh, are, you know, either of those are necessarily reasons to, to not pick him, uh, not to pick up uh, Harado Parra so uh, you wrote a bit about some closers. There's a lot of uh you know closer dilemmas uh, to have there um let's start with the Doolittle Matson situation with the nationals uh do you have a particular favorite at this point? do you think uh, Doolittle having gotten the first chances is, is the guy or uh, you are you waiting and seeing
1: uh well, I haven't gotten the nationals right yet this year, so I guess we'll just stay on. <laughs> nobody <it because> has <laughs> i. I really thought Dusty would just take the the path of least resistance and just go with the righty, and then, of course, he usurped all of us and flipped Doolittle out there in uh, in Los Angeles. The only thing I will say with that, and the caveat to it is, you know, reading all these articles constantly trying to figure these situations out, um, Dusty did say he contacted uh, the Athletics uh, front office to talk about the two pitchers. And I still think maybe that the A's, just because Madsen was so bad against the L.O.S. last year, might have told Dusty that Madsen's pitching really well, but he struggled against the L.O.S. team. So I don't know if that was a factor in Los Angeles or he just tried to do a little more. So it'll remain to be seen. Madsen's actually pitched well, so
2: I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough situation. So uh, well, we'll t- talk more about that in other closer situations. Other wave wire stuff starts it, lots to come. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
1: Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seeger. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest-growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes.
2: Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, with me again for this segment, Greg Jewett from FanRag Sports. So, uh, Greg, again, glad to have you on. Glad to have you on for two, two, two segments today. So uh, let's uh, get right back to some of the waiver wire talk. Um, So right before the break, we were talking closers. We were talking nationals. Uh, Yeah, that's a a hard situation to read. I wouldn't certainly just jump to the conclusion that uh, Sean Doolittle is going to be the regular there for saves. Uh, So like you, I've been burned uh, a few times this year on that situation. So let's go to a situation that's even uh, more confusing, Uh, (laughs) maybe at least equally confusing. That's the Rangers Uh, with uh, uh, Kayoni Kayla. I've had trouble with that name today, Greg. Uh, With Kayla off the uh, DL, uh, what do you expect to happen there?
1: Uh, again, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't know that he has enough, um, health to just go like back to back or save three games in a row. Uh, I was watching that game last night cause I was curious to see how Zach Britton would do. Um, he was kind of struggling to get on the mound, didn't do himself any favors with the trade talk. So I still think he'll get dealt uh, In a couple of leagues. I have Brad Brock. I just benched him just waiting to see what will happen. I didn't drop him. Um, but, Uh, when the Rangers were making a little bit of a comeback, it was Alex Claudio warming up in the bullpen and not Kayla. So as much as I think all of us want or think Kayla's going to assume the closer role, I think it's either going to be shared, or I think Claudio's kind of earned uh, the faith of his manager. So he might still get the next save chance.
2: Yeah, and he's been good all year long. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think he should be discounted at all. And how about the news of Tyler Clippard being the White Sox closer? Did you see that one uh, coming, and, and and are you investing at all?
1: Uh, no. As a matter of fact, when uh, you put out your tweet about his hard contact rates and other things, I couldn't retweet it fast enough because you saved me a little research. <laughs> but uh, there was there was one guy on Twitter because they asked me who I thought, and I was like, everything, you know, I mean, Swarczak's been with the team, his peripherals are way better than Clippard. So I was like, I would add Swarzak, And the one guy was like, well, I think he'll just go with the experience and have Clippard, and then the gentleman proved to be right. But I just don't want those ratios on my team. I saw too many of his outings with the Yankees. Uh, I'm not interested. I I don't need saves that much, especially in some of the leagues where I'm seeing Sam Dyson and Brandon Maurer are still like 40% or less owned. I'd rather have either one of those guys than the situations that we've just been talking about.
2: Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, and uh you know and I, I think I said this on yesterday's show, but I could see uh Clippard pitching his way out of that situation. So not only would he, mm-hmm. you know, hurt your stats with that performance, but maybe not be long for the role, or maybe he does rebound and then the White Sox could trade him. So I, I just think through mm-hmm. one ride or another we'll see Anthony Swarzak uh in that role. That would be my guess. And uh I, I was also making a guess that Trevor Rosenthal pretty much had this Cardinals closer thing wrapped up, but it just seems like, you know, whether it's, O or him. And of course now you got Brett Cecil in the mix, you know, whenever it seems like somebody's got, got that job uh, nailed down, they, they do something to put it back in, in flux again. So is there anybody in the Cardinals bullpen that you're trusting for saves right now?
1: No, I mean, Rosenthal did work the ninth the other day of that tie game, and then he didn't cover first base, which ended up resulting in a loss. I mean, not only are these guys not pitching well, but mental breakdowns and things of that nature, yeah, there's, there's some bad mojo with the Cardinals. I don't think I want anything to do with that bullpen at this point.
2: Yeah, well, and you, you mentioned that, and I saw. I did, unfortunately, I don't remember who the source was, but somebody mentioning that that was part of the the Cardinals' rationale for trading for Tyler O'Neill. And I don't know if, if he's just you know reputed to be a uh, you know a good guy as far as the mental game goes or what. But that was, I mean, it, it's an issue uh, that seems to be extending to, mm-hmm. to all parts of the team. And uh, let, let me tackle one more uh, waiver wire issue with you. Uh, I don't think this is one. and Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think this is one that you handled in the column. But I'm a little concerned as somebody who owns Alex Avila in a few different leagues that everybody mm-hmm. seems to think he's going to the Cubs. And I don't, as much as Joe Madden likes to, you know, move players in and out of the lineup, I have a hard time seeing where Avila gets much playing time with the Cubs. So given that he's somebody I've been recommending to people. Uh, to pick up even in, in a one catcher league, um, and his those those numbers uh, you know his performances has you know maintained those numbers uh, ownership numbers have gone up. Um, so what you know what would you say to the VLA owner you know like me? Uh, do, should I replace him? And and if so, who are some good targets?
1: Yeah, I I definitely be seeing who's available in the leagues. Um, you posed it as a, a one catcher league. Um, which which makes things a little easier because I find you can just stream the nose or or get the hot hand and go with it. Um, you know, it, it all kind of depends. It's going to depend on who's on those wires. You know, the Castillo has been hitting well of late. A couple other guys that could be sitting on the wire. Uh, you know, it's it's a hard one to just speculate on, but I definitely think it's something you need to address because if he does go to the Cubs, I could see him taking like a Montero role where he only plays like two days a week. Uh, just to give, Contr- I mean Contreras is playing so well right now; it's going to be hard to get him out of the lineup. He already hit another home run this afternoon.
2: Wow, wow! Uh, yeah, I haven't checked in on that game uh, uh, <laughs> since we're early on in the show. So, uh, yeah, and I mean, you no know, Contreras could could play some outfield, but it's not you know it's all that easy with Schwarber back up to just you know make room for him out there. So it really, really does concern me. Uh, well, let's get to your start sit column. Uh, I think you told me you were uh gonna write about Jason Hayward, uh but maybe you can just you know <laughs> pick uh, a few of the, the players we need to know about the most either from a, a start or a sit perspective.
1: Um I took a little different slant this week. I kinda instead of just player to player specific, I, I kinda looked at teams and the upcoming schedule. Um Jason is definitely someone that uh you know I, I got him off of the waiver wire for zero dollar bid in an eighteen team league. Um, the Chicago hit him leadoff today, which I know he didn't do well in that role last year, but he is one for three with a run scored uh, this afternoon to start out. Uh, in his 11 games previous off of the uh, DNL, he was hitting 333 with a 400 on base. He does have a home run and a steal with eight RBIs uh, with that 386 Woba uh, since returning. So, you know, this is somebody that I know he's teased and burned people in the past, but for the second half, as basically a dirt cheap investment, I really think. And next week with four games against the White Sox, including getting to see Shields, Pelfrey, Miguel Gonzalez, and then going to Miller Park, which uh, definitely favors left-handed hitters, he's in a great spot. So is Javier Baez. So is Addison Russell, who's sitting well for that team. Ian Happ continues to fly under the radar. I think his ownership percentages are still at 60% or below across a couple of sites, which is surprising. He's got four home runs, three stolen bases over his last 24 games. And even Kyle Schwarber next week with with those gas cans I'm talking about on the mound and a trip to Miller (laughs) Park, you know, he's he's hard to trust. But if if there's ever a week he's going to hit for some power, I think that's it. Same thing goes for the uh, Cardinals. Uh, I looked at Matt Carpenter. I mean, again, they've got six right-handers out of seven games next week. They're going to Coors, and they're going to Arizona. Uh, you know, if, if him and Fowler uh, can't can't pick up their games and match what Tommy Pham's doing of late, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a week that's set up for them. And if you need some cheap speed, I also put a blurb in there about Magnus Sierra. Uh, just, you know, cheap stolen bases, all those right-handers on the mound, He should get plenty of PT. Uh, I looked at the you know, the the Miami lineups, they got some good matchups next week going to Texas. They can keep real noodle in the lineup, because uh, he can DH in one of those games in Texas and not have to miss a game for uh, to get a day off for his legs. And those same Rangers, the Rangers are a little bit different team when they're home. Adrian Beltre chasing those three thousand hits. Uh, he, he walks thirteen percent of the time at home, he can six strikeout six uh, percent strikeouts. Uh, and he hits with two six four ISO at home with the four twenty eight Woba. him and Carlos Gomez. I know he's been really really cold, but uh, he becomes a much better pitter in that ballpark. So those are just a few of the people that I was looking at across the teams for uh, next week.
2: Well, sounds good. And again, I like the advice on Carlos Gomez because uh, yeah, those home road splits are are critical for him. So uh, yeah, I think you got to look at more than just you know the overall trend and the overall numbers and you know see that uh, mm-hmm. you know this would be a, a good. Time for him to uh, to bust his slump. So uh, I, I like that piece of advice. Uh, well, I want to move on to um, some of the I, before uh, you came on the show, Greg. I was, was reviewing. I was talking about Madison Bumgarner. I'd start to talk about Lance Lynn, who's been really good this month, but has had some pretty cake matchups. So um, maybe I'll just yeah, get you uh, get your thinking on Lance Lynn and, and maybe another pitcher or two. Uh, are are you buying this 109 ERA in July, uh, having faced uh, the Marlins, the Pirates, and the Mets a couple of times?
1: No, I I, I did actually hear that segment I called in a couple of minutes early, and you know I was agreeing with what you were saying. I mean, you know, it, it looks great when you're just looking at it, but then you dive into the FIP and some of the strikeout rates and the other things, and it's just not. You know, it's not somebody I'm going to go try and target in a trade right now, especially since he's going to be due for some regression in his next couple of starts.
2: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And Michael Fulmer had a, a unusually bad start, maybe one of the worst starts of his career at the Royals yesterday. Only lasted two and two-thirds innings, giving up uh, eight runs, five of which were earned. Um, in the month of July, he actually was doing pretty well in terms of the surface stats. Uh, Before yesterday, but a 6% whiff rate and average fly ball distance that uh, is verging on 330 feet. Now, so I know we only have uh, less than a minute now, but uh, what's your just your quick take on Michael Fulmer's good time to buy sell bench?
1: Uh, I wouldn't mind getting them, but it's going to be tough because the Tigers, if they do deal Wilson, uh, and they trade a couple more starters, and they they start to rebuild, it's going to be hard for him to get wins if that's like the main
2: thing you're adding them for. Uh, that's a good, very good point about Michael Fulmer, independent of everything else that's going on with him. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me today, and look forward to the the next visit and uh, have a good one this weekend. Thanks, Al. All right, folks. Well, we got some more Thursday performances to break down. I'll be right back with all that, so don't go anywhere. Want the most
0: accurate predictions for the upcoming college football season? Then you need to get the GoForTheChew.com Power 5 Preview, available now at RotoExperts.com. I'm college football analyst Joe Lisi, and my predictions and insights have been featured nationwide, parlaying my successful predictions in Las Vegas. I get you ready for the upcoming year with in-depth breakdowns of every Power 5 team, schedule analysis, Heisman favorites, and much more. The GoForTheChew.com Power 5 Preview at RotoExperts.com. Get it now and cash in later.
2: Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm you Melchior, your host of the show. And once again, I'd like to thank Greg Jewett from FanRag Sports for joining me for two big segments on this show. Probably could have easily had him on uh, for this one, too. Lots of great stuff from uh, his waiver wire column, his uh, sit start column. So uh, do yourself a favor. Check those both out on uh, FanRag Sports. Good stuff from Greg, as always. Uh, and I just want to follow up on a comment I made very quickly. Yes, we were running out of time last segment. Put it in some context when I was talking about Michael Fulmer. That before this this bad start against the Royals on Thursday, he had been having a a good month, you know, in terms of ERA. You know, oh. sort of looking at the surface of it. What I was trying to point out is that not only is he not getting many swings and misses over the course of the whole month. But that the thing that actually I would count on for Fulmer as an owner is not so much to get a lot of strikeouts, but to really limit the damage on balls in play. And, and most of the season, he's been at or right near the bottom of the leaderboard for average fly ball distance in a good way, meaning lowest, one of the lowest average distances in the majors. Uh, up until, uh, let's see, yeah, up, up through June, it was 298 feet, which is incredibly low, but since then it's been 328 feet, which is probably a little higher than average. So that is, is my concern about Michael Fulmer is that kind of his his ace in the hole, uh, the thing that he's been able to do uh, even when he's allowing contact to be successful, not really working for him lately, even when, when the scoreboard would suggest otherwise. Uh but with just a couple minutes left, uh haven't really had a chance to get to the big hitting performances from Thursday. Fortunately for me, it was a very small slate and not a lot of really big performances, but we uh did have three members of the Two Homer Club, Justin Smoke, Jake Lamb, and Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Suarez now has 15, Lamb has 22, Smoke with 26. And the one comment I just want to make about Smoke, who also uh, got three hits total in the game against the Red Sox. His strikeout rate, which I talked about quite a bit the first couple months of the season, has been steadily on the rise. But the 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 batting average hasn't really fallen as much as, as you might think because he has been using the whole field this year much more so than he's done in the past. So while uh, maybe Smoke isn't going to sustain the exact level of success that he had earlier in the season, He's still a much, much improved player, so that's really good to see. And as far as Suarez goes, uh, that's power we haven't seen from him in quite a while. Uh, with those two home runs against the Diamondbacks since the beginning of June, he has a total of five home runs. So, and again, two of those were yesterday. But he's hitting just .213, and it's sort of odd because the soft contact rate is actually lower now than it was uh, for the first. Uh, 2 months of the season. So maybe there's a little bit of a buy buy low opportunity with Suarez because I don't think he's going to stay in a power drought for long. Maybe this is the start of something better in that regard. And the 2.13 batting average is is just very hard to explain for Suarez. So um you know that's uh I would think an encouraging sign for him. Uh Tommy Pham, who I talk about all the time, but why not? Because he gives you some power, gives you some speed, uh, is hitting for, for good average. Uh, he went two for four yesterday against the Mets with his 13th homer and 11th double, so Fam just keeps going, uh, and he's going to need to, again, because of that uh, crowded outfield situation. And one last player to make a note on, Dustin Pedroia with a three-hit game, hit his sixth home run of the season uh, versus the Blue Jays off of Danny Barnes off over his last 21 games. Pedroia's hitting 379 with four homers and five doubles. So we don't think about Pedroia for power, but he's on a nice little uh, power rift right now. So looking for hot hey, hand there. Uh, you got one in Dustin Pedroia. Anyways, thanks so much for joining me and Greg Jewett on this show today. I'll be back Sunday at 1 uh, o'clock Eastern for a two-hour show. So uh, John Heyman will be with me, Jim Finch. Please join us. Have a great day today.